Chapter twenty seven of The Side of the Angels by Basil King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter twenty seven. It was not till Rosie was well enough to go listlessly back to work, and the masterments had sailed, that Lois found her own emotions ripe for speech. During the intervening fortnight, she and Thor had lived their ordinary life together, but on a basis which each knew to be temporary. While he kept his office hours in the mornings and visited his patients in the afternoons, and she busied herself with household tasks or superintended the gardener in replanting the faded tulip beds with flocks and sweet peas and dahlias, while she sewed or did embroidery in the evenings and listened to him reading aloud, or, since the nights were growing warm, they sat silent on an upper balcony or talked about the stars, each knew that the inattention would never be relaxed till it was broken. If there was any doubt of that, it was on Thor's side. Because she said nothing, there were minutes when he hoped she had nothing to say. Unaware of a woman's capacity for keeping the surface unruffled while storm may be raging beneath, he beguiled himself at times into thinking that his fears of her acuteness had been false alarms. If so, he could only be thankful. He wanted to forget. If he had had a prayer to put up on the subject, it would have been that she would allow him to forget. So, as day followed day, regularly, peacefully, with an abstention on her part from comment that could give him pain, he began to indulge the hope, a hope which he knew in his heart to be baseless, that she had nothing to remember. When he was called on at last to face the realities of the case, the moment was as unexpected to him as it was to her. She had not meant to bring the subject up on that particular evening. She had made no programme, not because she was uncertain as to what she ought to say, but because the impulse to say it lagged. In the end it came to her without warning, surprising herself no less than him. For, were you going to give money to Rosie Fay? The croaking of frogs seemed part of the silence in which she waited for his answer. The warm air was heavy with the scents of lilac, honeysuckle and syringa. As they stood by the railing of the balcony that connected the exterior of their two rooms, she erect, he leaning outward with an arm stretched towards the sky, a great white lilac whose roots were in the early days of the Willoughby farm threw up its tribute of blossoms almost to her feet. The lights of the village being banked under verdure, the eye sought the stars. Thor loved the stars. On moonless nights he spent hours in contemplation of their beckoning mystery. From Auriga and Taurus in January, he followed them round to Ares and Perseus in December, getting a beam on his inward way. Just now, with the aid of a pencil, he was tracing for his wife's benefit the lines of the rising virgin. Lois could almost discern the graceful recumbent figure, winged, noble, lying on the eastern horizon, Spiker's sweet silvery light a tremble in her hand. She was actually thinking how white for a star was Spiker's radiance, when the word slipped out. Thor, were you going to give money to Rosie Fay? He suppressed the natural question concerning her sources of information, in order to say, as quietly as he could, if, if Claude had married her, I was going to, to help them out. She resented what she considered his evasiveness. That isn't just what I asked. Even so, it tells you what you want to know, doesn't it? Not everything I want to know. "'Why should you want to know everything?' "'Because—' It struck her that her reason could be best expressed by shifting her ground. 
Thornia, exactly why did you want to marry me?' The change in tactics troubled him. "'I think I told you that at the time.' "'You told me you came to me as a to a... to a shelter. "'And as to a home. I said that too, Lois.' "'Yes,' she agreed slowly. "'You said that too.' A brief interval gave emphasis to the succeeding words. "'But did you think it was enough?' "'I couldn't judge of that. I could only say what I had to say, truthfully.' "'Oh, I know it was truthfully. It's, it's just the trouble. You, "'You see, Thor,' she went on unsteadily, "'I thought you were telling me only some of what was in your heart, and it was all.' "'I'm not certain that I know what you mean by all. "'What I felt was so much.' he added reproachfully. "'It's surely a great deal when a man finds a woman his refuge from trouble.' "'That's perfectly true, Thor, and there's no one in the world who wouldn't be touched by it. But in the case of a wife she can hardly help thinking of the kind of trouble he's escaping from.' "'But so long as he escapes from it?' She interrupted quickly. "'Yes, so long as he does. But when he doesn't? When, instead of leaving his trouble outside the refuge, he brings it in?' He took an uneasy turn up and down the balcony. "'Look here, Lois. Have you any particular motive in bringing this up now?' "'Yes, Thor. It's the same motive I had a few weeks ago, only that I haven't been sure of it till tonight. I want you—' She hesitated, but urged herself on. "'I want you to let me go away.' "'Go away?' he cried sharply. "'Go away where?' "'I don't know yet. Anywhere.' There are one or two visits I might make, or I could find a place. That part of it doesn't matter. But when you wanted to go away a few weeks ago, it was to to take her. I shouldn't need to do that now, because she's better. In a way, she's all right. All right. And it changed. It was to make a show of not being afraid to mention Rosie that he said, Changed in what way? Well, you'll see. She decided that for his own sake it was kindest to be cruel, and so added, "'Changed to a healthier frame of mind. She's very much ashamed of what she tried to do, and wants to begin again on a, on a less foolish basis. So,' she continued, reverting to her former point, "'my going away wouldn't now have anything to do with her. It would be on my own account. I want to—to to think.' "'Think about what?' "'Well, chiefly about you.' He knew they were nearing the heart of the question, and so went up to it boldly. "'To wonder whether or not I love you, is that it?' "'No, not exactly.' She allowed a second to pass before letting slip the words. "'Rather the other way.' "'The other way? How?' She spoke very softly. "'Whether or not I love you.' "'Oh!' His tone was as soft as hers, but with the ejaculation he moved his big hands about his body like a man feeling for his wound. "'I thought you did.' "'Yes, I thought so too, till—till till lately. Perhaps I do, even now. I don't know. It's what I want to get away for, to, to think, to see. I can't do either when you're so near me. You—you you overwhelm me, you crush me. I don't get the free use of my mind. 
he turned again to pace the narrow limits of the balcony. "'If you ever did love me, Louise,' he said in a voice which he hardly recognised because of the new thrill in it, "'I've done nothing to deserve the withdrawal of your affection.' She answered, while still keeping her eyes absently on Spiker's white effulgence, "'I know you haven't, Thor, dear, but that's not the point. It's rather that I have to go back and, and revise everything, form new conceptions.' He paused, standing behind her. "'I don't think I get your idea.' "'No, probably not. You couldn't without knowing what it all used to mean to me.' "'Used to mean?' "'Yes, Thor. Used to mean in a way that it doesn't now, and never can any more.' There was pain in his voice as he said, "'That's hard, Lois. Damnably hard.' "'I know, Thor, dear.' I wouldn't say it if I hadn't made up my mind that I must, that I ought to. I've had a great shock, which has been in its way a great humiliation. But I could go on keeping it to myself if I hadn't come to the conclusion that it's best for you to know. Men are so slow to fathom what their wives are thinking of. Well, then, tell me. She turned slowly round from her contemplation of the stars, a hand on each side grasping the low rail against which she leaned. The spangles on a scarf over her bare shoulders glittered iridescently in the light streaming from her room. Of Thor she could discern little more than the whiteness of his face and of his evening shirt-front from the obscurity in which he kept himself. A minute or more elapsed before she went on. "'You see, Thor, I didn't fall in love with you first of all for your own sake. It was because—because I thought you'd fallen in love with me.' "'That's a sort of confession, isn't it? "'It may be something I ought to be ashamed of, "'and perhaps I am a little. "'But you'd understand how it could happen "'if you were to realise what it was to me "'that a man should fall in love with me at all.' "'He tried to interrupt her, "'but she insisted on going on in her own way. "'I wasn't attractive. I never have been. "'During the years when I was going out, "'I never received what people called attentions, "'not from anyone.' I don't say that I didn't suffer on account of it, I did, but I'd begun to take the suffering philosophically. I'd made up my mind that no one would ever care for me, and I was getting used to the idea when... when you came. Because her voice trembled, she pressed her handkerchief against her lips, while Thor stood silent in the darkness of the far end of the balcony. And when you did come, Thor, dear, it couldn't but seem to me the most amazing thing that ever happened. I didn't allow myself to think that you were in love with me. I, I didn't dare, at first. It made me happy that you should think it worth while just to come and see me, to talk to me, to tell me some of the things you hoped to do. That in itself. She broke off again, losing something of her self-command. In the stress of physical agitation, she drew the spangled scarf over her shoulders and stepped forward into the shaft of light that fell through the open French window of her room. Finally, Thor, I came to the conclusion that you must love me. I couldn't explain your kindness in any other way. Believe me, I didn't accept that way till, till it seemed the only one. When I did, well, it wasn't merely pride and happiness that I felt it was something more. A sob in her throat obliged her to interrupt herself again, while the croaking of frogs continued. And so, Thor, dear, love came to me too. It came because I thought you brought it, 
But now that I see you didn't bring it, you can understand why I should be in doubt as to, as to whether or not it really did come. Since he recognised the futility of making an immediate response, they stood confronting each other in silence. She took another step nearer him. But what I'm not in any doubt about at all is the scorn I feel for myself for ever having cherished the delusion. If I'd been a woman with with more claim, let us say, to being loved— Lois, for God's sake, don't say that. But I must say it, Thor. It's at the bottom of all I mean. I was weak and foolish enough to think that in spite of the things I liked, a man had given me his heart when he hadn't. Lois, I can't stand this. Please don't go on. But I have to stand it, Thor. I have to stand it day and night, without ever getting away from the thought of it. I have to go back and puzzle and wonder and speculate as to why you did what you've done to me. I see things this way, Thor. There was a time when you thought you might come to care for me. You really thought it. And then something happened, and you were not so sure. Later you felt that you couldn't, that you never would. But the something that happened happened the wrong way for you, and Papa broke down as he did, and I was in the danger of being poor, and you were kind and generous, and you weren't very happy as things were. You told me so, didn't you? And, and in short, you, you, you thought you might as well. You knew I expected it, or had expected it once, and so, so you did it. Tell me, Thor, dear, am I so very far wrong? Wasn't it like that? He raised his head defiantly. And if I admitted that it was like that, what then? Oh, nothing. I should merely ask you the same thing, to let me go away. Away for how long? She reflected. Till I could establish a new basis on which to come back. I don't know what you mean by a new basis. I dare say I don't mean anything very different from the compromise most people have to make a little while after marriage, only that in my case the necessity comes more as a shock. You see, thought, you're not the man, not the man I thought you were. I must have a little while to get used to that. He stirred uneasily. You find I'm, I'm not so good a man. Oh, I don't say that. I, I don't say that at all. You're just as good, only you're not. She went up to him, laying her hands on his shoulders. Oh, you don't understand. I love the other Thor. I'm not sure that I love this one. I don't know. Perhaps I do. I can't tell till I get away from you. Let me go. It may not be for long. She stepped back from him toward the window of her room, through which she seemed about to pass. He was obliged to speak in order to retain her. "'Look here, Lois,' he began, not knowing exactly how he meant to continue. She turned with a foot on the threshold, her hand on the knob of the open window door. The pose, set off by the simplicity of the old black evening dress she was in the habit of wearing when they were alone, displayed the commanding beauty of her figure to a degree which he had never observed before. He remembered afterward that something shot through him, something he had associated hitherto only with memories of little rosy Fay. But for a minute he was too intensely preoccupied for more than a subconscious attention. She was waiting, and he must say something to justify his appeal to her. "'It's all right,' were the words he found. "'I'm willing. That is, I'm willing in principle, only—' 
he stammered on. "'And I don't want you to go roaming the country by yourself. "'Why not let me go? I, I could go away for a while, and you could stay here.' "'He warmed to the idea as soon as he began to express it. "'This is your home rather than mine. It's your father's house. "'You've lived in it for years. "'I couldn't stay here without you, while you're used to it, without me. "'I'll go. I'll go, and not come back till you tell me. "'There. Will that do?' The advantages of the arrangement were evident. She answered slowly, "'It... it might. But what about your patients?' "'Oh, Hill would look after them. He said he would if I wanted to attend the Medical Congress at Minneapolis. I told him I didn't, but... but...' He tapped the rail to emphasise the timeliness of the idea. "'But by George, I'll do it. You'd have three weeks at least, and as many more as you ask for.' She gave the suggestion a minute's thought. "'Very well, Thor. Since the Congress is going on, and your time wouldn't be altogether thrown away. You see, all I want is a little quiet, a little solitude, perhaps, just to realise where I am and to see how to begin again, if we ever can.' She closed one side of the window, softly and slowly. Her hands were on the other baton when he uttered a little throaty cry. "'Aren't you going to say good-night?' Standing on the low step of the window, she was sufficiently above him to be able to fold his head in her arms, to pillow it on her breast, while she imprinted a long kiss on the thick, dark mass of his hair. Having released him, she withdrew, closing the window gently, and pulling down the blinds. Outside in the darkness, Thor turned once more to where the Virgin, recumbent, noble, outlined and crowned with stars, Spiker the wheat ear in her the hand hanging by her side, rose slowly toward mid-heaven. Irrelevantly there came back to his memory something said months before by his uncle Sim, but which he had not recalled since the night he heard it. "'You may make an awful fool of yourself, Thor, but you'll be on the side of the angels, and the angels will be on yours.' Huh! <laughs> he snorted to himself. "'That's all very fine. But where are the angels?' and again he sought the stars. End of chapter 27